the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. Politics, 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 history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. Former Michigan Wolverines football coach Gary Moeller passed away at the age of 81 this past Monday. He served as the defensive ends coach and defensive coordinator from 1969 to 1976 and quarterbacks coach defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator from 1980 to 1989. Moeller took over as the head coach for the legendary Bo Schembechler in 1990 and remained in that position until 1994. The former Wolverines football coach led Michigan to three consecutive Big Ten Conference championships between 1990 and 1992 and obtained a record of 44 wins, 13 losses, and three ties. Now, here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And we're back. Derek, wasn't Gary Moore also for a short time the head coach for the Detroit Lions? Yeah, that's correct. He took over as the interim coach back in 2000 and was fired once Matt Millen became general manager. Well, there, there you go again. The Lions doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. <laughs> I, uh, I think they should have kept Moeller, but that's just my opinion. Alcohol. I don't know. He knew football. What isn't that why he he left the Lions? Because he had had a uh, he, he went out. I'll let Derek get in on this conversation. No, well, I just I left. It, it was he was fired as Michigan's head coach because he had an incident at a Livonia restaurant. He yeah he had an yeah. alcoholic problem at the time and. Unfortunately, that's how his tenure ended. But I don't think there was anything alcohol related with his with, with being released from the Lions. So, so there. <laughs> it, 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 with that program, it's a wonder he didn't really let it all hang out with with the alcohol program, the way uh, the Lions have been for the last many years. See, I was just getting ready to launch into my monologue there, Phil. I'm sorry about and, that. And, and, and you jump in here and you ask ask about Thanks, something Phil. that didn't happen. I'm going to start calling you Joe. Thanks, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> and that's my co-host, Phil Stargell. And the one thanking him for interrupting me in the background is my other co-host, Ed Bondarenka. Um, and I have control over the muting of the mics, right? So. So, so there is that. <laughs> so, good evening, folks. Hey, listen, I'm feeling really blessed today. Uh, my wife and I decided a while back that uh, eh, it's time we do some home home repairs that we've been putting off for quite some time. We went down and put in for a loan, and we got the loan. Uh, great bank. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy banking with the bank I use, Premier Bank. 
and went in and uh, got the loan at a wonderfully low rate. And uh, right after they locked in our rate, the next day, the rates started to go up. And so, <laughs> but they locked in our rates and then they're honoring those nice low rates. And I'm looking at the, what the rates are now and they're quite a bit more almost 3% more than what we got locked in at. Uh, so I'm feeling blessed today and I'm feeling in a good mood. So I'm not going to pick on my co-host today um, unless I, well, just decide to, but <laughs> but I'll try not to. Um, been sitting, I'm, in my study, I'm surrounded by a number of different artifacts from different parts of history. And uh, I have a Bible that made it over here uh, back in the early 1600s. And uh, I often wonder what the land was like then. And and I go over the Mayflower uh, Compact, in which it says, hey, their job here is to spread the gospel of the Lord. And uh, that's the primary purpose they're here. I look at all the documents that our nation was built on. Um, and all of them that mention and utilize scripture or biblical views in the creation of, of their document, including that of the Declaration of Independence. I look at the rights as I read the Bill of Rights and I'm amazed at the vision of our founding fathers. When I look at the older artifacts, I wonder, is the church on the right track from where Jesus wanted us to take it? Luckily, we have the Bible to help keep us in that direction. I ask that question often about our country. Is the country going in the direction that our founding fathers went in? And I use our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence as the, the glass pair of glasses I look through to see how this country is going. And... Uh, I take a look at this country and I take a look at the Constitution. I take a look at the writings of our founding fathers. I take a look at the Bill of Rights. And I wonder if the founding fathers were able to get in in Bill and Ted's uh, phone booth and come into the future to where we are now, would they recognize this nation? Now, I'm not talking about the obvious things that they would have a hard time comprehending, like technology and computers and um, are, are typically not able to be understood, but um, but would they be able to understand the country as we look at it today, the, the government we have today? Is the government where they foresaw it going? I mean, there's a few things that I think that our founding fathers would be very happy with, especially the likes of Adams and uh, Thomas Jefferson. We, we abolished slavery. This is something that both of those founding fathers, matter of fact, the bulk of our founding fathers wanted to do, was to abolish slavery. So I think they'd be in that very pleased to see that it went in that direction, that we abolished it. But what about this country would be different? Would they say, ah, it's not exactly what we thought of when we wrote that, uh, that right, or it is exactly what we thought of when we wrote that right. Would they recognize the government? We as Christians are told that we are to obey the government. And, uh, and sometimes if we, if we are going to be willing to disobey the, the government for an unlawful law, we have to be willing to pay the price for an ungodly law. We have to be willing to pay that price that the world sets on doing so. Just as 
Daniel had to face the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to face the ovens. That if we're going to stand against a law because it's ungodly, we have to also be willing to pay the earthly cost of following that law. But how would our founding fathers, would they even be, would they be in shock that the discussion on whether or not we kill our babies or not um, is being argued in the Supreme Court? Would they, would they be shocked over the fact that they were arguing the rights for us to bear arms? Would they be shocked on this, on this point? Would they be absolutely horrified to find out that the Senate has become no more than just an extension of the House of Representatives? Because it used to be that the House representatives were elected by the people and the Senates were put in by each state government. And it was done that way on purpose. And how that was ratified to, to change and for the Senate to become part of the an extension of the House of Representatives is how I see it. Um, totally took away from the reason of the Senate. And how they passed it wasn't what I would say was... Oh, above board, let's just put it that way. Would our founding fathers recognize our government today? I reached out to my co-host, Ed Bondarenka, and he says, of course they would. He says, they'd look at it as though it was 1774. And uh, so I'm going to use that as my introduction to Ed Bondarenka, my co-host. What did you mean by that? Well, they fought government overreach in their lives, they fought confiscation of guns, quartering of troops in their houses. They fought all the things that the British government, their dark overlords, so to speak, were, you know, uh, enforcing upon them. And they said, no, we've had enough of that. And I think they would see today, they would see excessive taxation. They would see excessive bureaucratic administration by local tyrants, uh, they would certainly see the abrogation of our gun rights and certainly of our free speech. I mean, when when churches are shut down for COVID panic, and uh, that's abrogation of the First Amendment. I kind of went down this list last week after you got done talking about it. I, I talked a little bit on my show. I didn't go into all of them, but for a for a party that so much seeks to defend. Now I'm going off topic a little. I'm sorry, but for a party that no seems problem, to Joe. defend, yeah, right. For a party that seems to defend a right to abortion that can not be found in the Constitution, they totally abrogate on a regular basis those that are there, right in black and white, written in hand script. That that's why we don't teach cursive anymore, so nobody can read the founding documents. Yeah. How about you, Phil? What do you think? Would they recognize the government today? And if not, why? And or what parts would they recognize? They would. They would recognize it, and I think that they would. Uh, they would be like me, be very, very frustrated because they're on a path that is going to be very, very hard to uh, to to detour them off of that path. What they're going for is to nullify the Constitution, and they very much are very close to doing it. You let them pack that Supreme Court, and and it'll be uh, a parliament system here, yeah. and all by majority vote. Well, 
That's an interesting way of putting it. Um, they tried to pack the Supreme Court once before, and it really didn't work out well, and they took it back down to a smaller court. And last thing I saw, now, he may have forgot he said that because it is Joe Biden, but very recently Joe Biden stated that he was against the packing of the Supreme Court. But he might forget that, well, by now, that he said that. Who knows? You know, the the whole thing that brought this on, and this is going to sound silly, um, I was going through some stuff uh, that my mother had boxed up for me um, before she passed away, and I got it back shortly after she passed away, and it was a letter when uh, we were going through some hard times in the 60s, and I had to go and stay with my wonderful uncle and his family for a while um, because my mom was trying to raise, like, almost a dozen kids on uh, on doing laundry for other people. And so it just made sense for, for some of the kids to go stay with other family. And we went and stayed with my uncle, and... I was missing my mom and I wrote a letter telling her how much I missed her and some of this good stuff going on. And my uncle Mike wrote a letter on the back saying he'd make, you know, ways of contact. And that took me back to a time when, when things looked so much brighter, even under those stressful situations, the world looked brighter uh, through a child's eye, but not just through a child's eye. Reading the responses of those letters that uh, I got from my mom and from my uncle, the world just seemed brighter. And uh, today is not the America that I grew up in. And I'm hearing that more and more and more. So if this is not the America that you and I feel grew up in or, or Ed, um, how much more shocked would our founding fathers be uh, when they saw what's happened to their, their, great, their great experiment of what we've done to the, to the Constitution that they gave us? As Adam said, it takes a moral and religious society for that to work um all of that's gone and i'm not sure that they they might say yeah we wrote this but uh man you're really messing it up you know it's <laughs> not what we meant at all we we've lost the idea of, of of that great dream the american dream so much that i don't think the founding fathers would truly truly recognize um the america that we are today uh, we got Joe on the line. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Are you gardening or what? Funny you should ask that, because I was going to joke and say, is this moment of gardening? I want to talk about my tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, I knew you did, even though I didn't say that <laughs> on the chat. I said you wanted to speak about stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, uh, like Phil alluded to, yes, they would recognize it. They would recognize it as the tyranny they fought against and the tyranny they warned us about and complete bastardization of what they promised us, as Franklin said, a republic if you can keep it. And they would recognize it all went south or in part, a large part, went south with the passage of adopting of the 17th Amendment and complete destruction of the whole point of what the U.S. Senate was supposed to be for states' rights. Yeah. I can't believe it, Joe. You stayed right on track. Thank you so much. I am impressed. All right, love hey, you, brothers. I, I, oh, don't, don't hang up. Oh, Do yeah, hang if up. I can change the subject for something very important and serious. Right to Life has a booth at the Wyandotte Street Fair, so 
Come celebrate the Overturner Road. Stop by the Right to Life booth on Elm Street if you're headed up to the Windout Street Fair. Yeah, and I think it's important you go by there and say hello to them because I can almost assure you that they will be confronted by some people that disagreed with the overturning of RV Wade and uh, that will be blaming blaming the poor people in that booth for for uh, their dissatisfaction. So. Oh, they absolutely are. I spent from noon to three, both Thursday and Friday, volunteering to man the booth. And yeah, the, the loons are up there uh, trying to assault people at the booth. So please come support us. Absolutely. And that's at the Wyandotte Art Fair? Yeah, the Wyandotte Street Fair. Today's the last day. I think it ends at like 9 o'clock or something tonight. So, all right. Love you, brothers. Take care. God bless. Love you. Hey, when you go out there and, and say hello to them, say, uh, do me a favor. I cannot make it out there today. Tell them that uh, Pastor Rick from Wham Radio is, is, uh, is with them, and I'm very happy for what they're doing out there. And tell them I said hello. Say hello for Ed and Phil, too. Yeah, I was out there yesterday. Were you? Yep. So were you, working, were you working the booth or yeah, just standing yeah. visiting? I, I was looking for Joe. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, I uh, I was out there and uh, and uh, it, it looked to be such a a, uh, a festive day. It really did. It uh, and I I'm, I think I'll try to get out there to, to, today and uh, and and go up to the uh, right to life booth and see who's there. Yeah, say hello for me when you're up there. What do? So, do, do they have some good art up there? Uh, I I imagine. I like I said, I didn't I didn't participate. I I was just there. Look who I'm asking. The guy who has to wear sunglasses inside because he can't see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got uh, a, uh, I got a, uh, Sometimes I get a little bit of effect from the glare of the screen. I know it. I'm just teasing with you. So, uh, hey, folks, number is 734-822-1600 if you want to be part of this uh, conversation. Yeah, I'm really interested. Is this the America you grew up in? And if you say no, would the founding fathers have recognized it? What What's changed since you grown up that is so different that you can't, you can't hardly recognize your own country? And that's about where I'm at. The best news I've had all day, folks, is when I read uh, in the newspaper that Liz Cheney is extremely upset. She doesn't understand why she is so down in the polls that even if she pulled Democrat votes, she could not win. So um, why is she she surprised? What? Play play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yep. She she is down by 22 points. And even if she got uh, the... The switch over Democrats to vote for her, she would still be down by the same 22 points in the polls. <laughs> and folks, that's huge being down 22 points. And that's if she could even pull the, the swing voters from the Democrat primary over to vote for her. So, huh, happy days. Liz Cheney looks like she might be out of here. But, you know, I had the same reaction a few years ago when Murkowski lost her primary. Yeah. And, uh, then she still ended up winning the seat through being an independent. Yeah, and, 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 and uh, 
this is uh, what could very well happen up there. With Liz Cheney? Yeah. I don't think so, because they're going to have a pretty... They, they have a candidate they like. Yeah. Um, running for Democrat. I don't know. It could. It very well could. They might I, I realize that the Democrat can't win, and so they might as well go for running in Cheney. But Cheney doesn't have enough votes to to pull it off on the Republican side. She doesn't. It's just she, she's dramatically down in the polls. So it's it's a good thing, I think. But uh, yeah. hey, I got a caller in. Let's take the caller because he's he's going to react to my question, and this is good. Hey, Tim. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, the, the, so, I think the biggest problem that the founders would have would be with the 16th Amendment versus the 17th Amendment. Because prior to the 16th Amendment, there was no direct taxes. The states collected the taxes and the states paid the federal government. That's why the states couldn't coin anything other than gold and silver. Because the, the federal government didn't want to be collecting fiat money. Right. So <clears throat> the states were more than happy to pass the 16th Amendment, relieving them of the burden of, of collecting the taxes for the federal government. The reason that the 17th Amendment was done <clears throat> were several legislatures always tied in trying to elect a senator. And then there would only be one senator from the state in the Senate until that tie was broken, Congress had to pass a law saying, if you don't have a senator elected by this date, you will be in session 24 hours a day until you do. So they were more than happy to shift that over to a vote of the people, getting rid of their responsibility to elect a senator. Now, a lot of people so, have... Go ahead. What I was going to say, Tim, what I'm gathering from what you're saying, the 16th and 17th Amendment were added because our politicians were too lazy to want to do the work. It, at the state legislature level, yes. Right. Because that was right. their tie to the federal government. Makes because total sense. The, Lazy politicians. The, the, Got it. The, the 16th Amendment now allows the federal government to tax us individually as people through the IRS. When prior to the 16th Amendment, they couldn't. They just had to say, what's your population in Michigan? Michigan says 7 million people. Okay, we're collecting $10,000 in taxes for each person. So 10,000 times your 7 million people, the state of Michigan owes this much money. That's, that's how it worked up until the 16th Amendment. The, the 17th Amendment, like I said, they were arguing, you know, sometimes they ended up in a tie and only had one senator. A lot of people are under the mis misconception that a state could just recall their senator. That's actually not true. Once a senator was elected, they were to serve a six-year term. The only way a senator would get out of the Senate early, besides retiring, was by a two-thirds vote of the Senate itself. They could throw members out. Then a state would have to have another election of a senator. Yep. And, that's, and with that two-thirds, was that if you look into every, every state, or was that left up to the state on how they, how they uh, put in their uh, senators? Well, it, it was up to the state legislature to elect them. So whatever, whatever, like we currently have a Republican legislature in Michigan. So most likely we would have two Republican senators instead of Democrat senators because of the vote of the people. We 
We keep right. electing a, a Republican legislature in the state, but then sending Democrat senators to, to Congress. <laughs> hey, Ed, go ahead. Well, that also brings in outside money into the state, outside interests that throw in huge money for selecting, you know, uh, what should be basically a state local candidate, but that's where you get Soros money yeah, to exactly. buy senators. That's well one. Said. And back to your income tax statement. Yeah, with the uh, payroll tax that's, withdrawal. I got to yeah. up because that's the music in the background. We'll oh, be back after this message. Thanks a lot for calling in, Tim. We appreciate it. Pastor Richard Dietering on WAM. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. Four National Hockey League free agents, center Andrew Kopp, left wingers David Perron and Dominic Kubalik, as well as defenseman Ben Chiriot, signed contracts to play for the Detroit Red Wings this past Wednesday. Kopp scored a career-high 53 points last season between the Winnipeg Jets and New York Rangers. Perron tallied a minimum of 46 points in each of the past six years playing for the St. Louis Blues and Vegas Golden Knights. Kubalik registered 30 goals for the Chicago Blackhawks a couple of seasons ago and is looking to regain his scoring touch and Chiarit will use his 6-foot, 3-inch, 226-pound frame to prov- provide some much-needed size on the Red Wings' blue line. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue, because I can do the boogaloo. I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing, and that's why I sing. Gimme, gimme, ding, ding. As Ed looks for a sound effect for the ding, he forgot, so that's okay. Give me that ding. There it is. <laughs> I guess I had to say give me that ding for it to work. You see, that worked out well. I didn't hey, folks. think you wanted it. Oh, it's cute. Hey, I am. Um, this this is um, this is not a dictatorship on my show. Well, it really is. It just so happens you tend to go the, the same way that uh, <laughs> benevolent that I'm going. Yeah, I I was out. Uh, uh, filming one day uh, some youth hockey games, um, and Konstantinov uh, was watching one of the games from the Red Wings, the one who, uh, he was part of the great Russian lineup we had at the Red Wings, and uh, this was long after the accident, but he was in there watching um, watching the game, Fedorov's kid was playing, and uh, uh, I'm sitting next to him, and <laughs> he has got the most remarkable sense of humor most remarkable sense of humor. And uh, I think he caught on to the joke. Uh, I was telling him right on, because he got a big smile on his face. And I says, you know, Konstantinov, I says, after the revolution, um, every every man is going to drive a Cadillac. I said, and after the revolution, every man's going to have a blonde on his arm and smoke a Cuban cigar. And he says, I prefer Lincolns. I like redheads. And I don't smoke. I said, after the revolution, you do as you're damn well told. <laughs> he laughed. But, uh, yeah. 
Um, it's uh, he did he did a remarkable man still. Um, even even though he can't play hockey anymore, still has this remarkable wit. I sat and talked to him, a remarkable wit. And uh, so that that's my my run in with Konstantinov is uh, watching Fedorov's son play hockey. And um, so uh, before the, during the break. Um, Phil was regaling to us the story where he was actually almost celebrating the fact that he found four gas for $4.29. And folks, when we celebrate that we can find gas for $4.29, that's a sad, sad, sad statement for this country. Yes, it is. And and (laughs) Biden is trying to take the credit for bringing the price down. Uh, Biden, you're the one who took it up. Let's let's get it back down in the two dollar range, okay? Yeah, go ahead, Phil. It's sad, doubly sad, because of the fact that we got so much oil in the ground where we can get it and get it at and get the gas at a good price. Mm-hmm. That's criminal. That's criminal. And and and, and one thing that uh, all of all the people that I know that don't like the idea that I, that I am a conservative and I vote Republican and been voting Republican. They always say that the Democrats look out for the little guy. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they, they look out for him to make sure he stays little. Yeah. That's why. Yes. When so, I was a kid, I, I used to work in the oil fields up north. It's amazing how much you can learn when you work in the oil fields, you know, about oil and uh, and reading things like geological maps and things like that. Do you know there's a whole reef of oil and natural gas under the state of Michigan? It's called the Niagara Reef, and it is huge. I mean, it is absolutely huge, and the bulk of it is underneath the the normal landmass. Not you don't have to go out into the lakes to drill for it, as. Um, some have tried to do in the past. No, you can do it right on the land in Michigan. There used to be lots of wells up north, tons of wells up north. That Niagara Reef uh, would go cover pretty much almost the entire uh, lower peninsula, except for the area around uh, the southeast Michigan. It didn't breach all the way into the southeast Michigan, which was a good thing because if it did, we wouldn't have had Morton Salt in Detroit. Um, <laughs> we would have been full of oil. Um, but uh, the Niagara Reef is huge, and it's actually, Michigan could be one of the largest producers of oil in the country right now, and natural gas. But it took the Democrats to shut down most of the wells in Michigan, pretty much drove Sun Oil Company out of Michigan, and which you know is Sunoco, um, drove them right out. We had major gas uh, and, and oil lines all over Michigan. And um, believe it or not, folks, it did not really do any damage to the the natural order of things because um, they don't take up this huge uh, blueprint. And if nothing else, because of all the salt water that's involved with the oil wells, it provided natural <laughs> natural salt licks for the deer um, out in the wilderness, um, which was great. And it didn't. I mean, it was small roads going into the wells and everything else, and uh, they not every well had the horse head type pumps. Some of them were submersible pumps, so very small footprint. 
And yet Blanchard pretty much did his job to get rid of and shut down the oil industry in Michigan. If we opened up the oil industry in Michigan again, just open that up to its fullest potential, um, Michigan could become one of the largest, if not the largest producer of oil and natural gas in the country. But yet we, we worry more about, you know, I'd like to see Alaska pipeline opened up and running in full again. I'd like to see these gas lines coming in from Canada providing us, but we've got it right here in our own, in our own land to get the gas we need. And yet we're not touching it. I'm not sure we could find the people to work the oil fields these days. You know, the biggest, the hardest thing about the oil thing is drilling the well. And after the well is drilled, um, you've got, uh, it just takes a handful of people to work a maintenance rig. It doesn't take a ton of people to do it. And uh, believe it or not, I don't know, does Michigan still have its own refineries? It used to have a big refinery in Detroit. Is that still there? Down it's yeah, south, well, down by Riverview and Ecorse, yeah. We could we could open up a few more refineries here in Michigan without without a big yeah I know Marathon has something going on there I know the storage tanks and stuff I didn't know if the full refinery was there but uh, I think Michigan should open up a couple more refineries and and take advantage of the uh, of the industry of oil that we have here in Michigan but no one's pushing for that Hey Mark is on EPA will shut you down the EPA won't let any an oil refinery open up that's part of the problem there. Keep that mindset because as soon as Mark's off the phone, we're going to go back to that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Hey, Mark, you're on the phone. You want to talk about uh, the founding fathers recognizing America today. What's your opinion on that? Well, I, th I think that uh, Thomas Jefferson would be happy that slavery was abolished. He's a really interesting character, but if you read up on him. Uh, yeah. I also think the founding fathers would be kind of distressed that it's hard for us to have access to the people who are running for for uh, offices. Uh, I know Trump was pretty good at having big rallies, but how many uh, Trump rallies were in southeastern Michigan, right? Um, right. And right now, if I want to go see what some Republicans are saying, you know, where can I go? I'm stuck here in Washington, and, and uh, the Republicans look at this as being kind of a, an area, area full of loony liberals and, and Marxists, and they kind of, I think, pass us over. So I'm well, always excited when I know that someone's going to be in the area, even if it's, uh, you know, maybe not the person I was going to vote for. I know that uh, a number of the uh, people running for governor in the Republican Party just had a debate. Tudor was not able to make it. She was at uh, Memorial for her, I believe it was her father who passed. Father. Yeah, she wasn't able to make, but that's going to be on PBS. Yeah. And that's great. So and by the way, Wham scored a major interview getting Tudor to call in last week. So kudos to Wham for that. Um, hey, Ralph Rebath is talk about be in that our a backyard second? tonight, but I don't know if anybody cares about that. Let me talk about that for a second. I had her on my show last Saturday. Yeah. Before Friday, she was 20 points behind in the in the run. And Monday morning, she was 11 points ahead. I emailed her team and said they're welcome. Yeah, take the credit. <laughs> Pat yourself in the back. <laughs> it can't hurt. No. You, so what you're saying, Ed, is you even got the Democrats in Ann Arbor to go out and vote for her. <laughs> so, hey, I'm not taking all. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> You're just saying. She was on your show and her rates went up. Got it. There are a number of people who don't think I did a good thing, you know. They, 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 they don't agree. Tudor's the candidate. But that's why I asked her the questions I did to clarify. Is she, is she the establishment voodoo doll they claim she is? I, I don't think she is. Those were great questions. I loved to hear that oh, interview. Thank you.
Well, yeah, I'm, now I'm going to have to go back and actually listen to your show. <laughs> <laughs> and on the hydrocarbon topic, you know, I, I'm a scientist, and every time I look at the science of how uh, the carbon dioxide is supposed to make the climate change, I'm not seeing it. Uh, and if people really, really want to learn about the science, I encourage them to learn it themselves because it's, uh, it is not as clear-cut as people think. Okay, you're a scientist, right? Let me ask you this question. Mark, you're a scientist, right? Yep. Is, is that what you said? Okay. Now, now, don't trees need carbon monoxide? They need carbon dioxide, yeah, which is dioxide. Uh, the gas in, in question. Okay, um, carbon dioxide. And, and the CO2 coalition is on the web, and they, they go through the historical periods, you know, back when the dinosaurs were around, what CO2 was and how good it is for plants. Mm -hmm. There are farmers and agricultural people who say the CO2 levels increasing is going to be good for plants. Uh, the only time that I get worried that CO2 might get too high is if it interferes with how I breathe. But we're nowhere near that. You know, that's, that's <laughs> if it's tenfold higher than it is now. So uh, I think we're good. What is yeah. it now? What, what percentage is it now? Two percent, something like that? So um, when Al Gore made his movie, the number that was hard to find out was they were around 330 to 350 ppm. So that's about 0.3 percent. So if you if you're a tree, one of the reasons you grow so slow is because you know you're, you're starving for CO2. You can't grow quickly. There's not very much of it around. It's really scarce. Although it's uh, mm -hmm. hydrocarbons are produced in the earth, but um, so increasing the CO2 to a level more like. 0.4% where people say it is now, or 0.5%, historically 0.6% has happened. Uh, you know, that's great for, for vegetation. Now, I have and to ask you, Mark. Nitrogen is, nitrogen is like, what, 95% of our atmosphere? Well, it's about 70%. So, yeah, and 70, H2O, okay. is, uh, it varies with humidity, but it can be up to 3%, and it is a devastatingly effective greenhouse gas. If you really want to look into the science, I, I encourage people to learn about that. So what, what area of science are, are, are you in, Mark? I apply science in a job where I engineer and I design okay. microcontrollers, although I have worked for environmental research institutes in the past. Uh, one of them was raised to the ground many years ago. It used to be on the corner of Plymouth and Green. Okay. I, I got some homework for you. Um, okay. I want you to research the Niagara Reef. And how beneficial it would be to open up more natural gas and oil production and how it would benefit this state. And uh, give me a report in the morning or next week. <laughs> no, no problem when I see you. <laughs> I appreciate it, Mark. If you, if you come serious. to the Ralph Rebant thing tonight, I'll see you in person. Well, unfortunately, I can't, but uh, as, which is the same reason I can't go to uh, um, the Red to Life booth. Yeah. Real quick, uh, what was the uh, the number that uh, Al Gore was citing that if it reached that point, then it would be out of uh, you know out of control, or we would be dead or whatever? Hockey stick yeah, I think they're somewhere around the point four point five percent, you know, five hundred ppm level. But when he got on his scissor lift, you know, I, I suspect that he's looking at the data that came from the Mauna Loa Observatory where they sample the air directly, and it's also kind of downstream from China. 
and comparing that with the data that came out of ice core samples from uh, Antarctica, where the trapped carbon dioxide was, you know, captured near sea level in a place where there wasn't that much uh, activity. So uh, naturally, there's going to be an increase, and that's why he got on his little scissor lift for dramatic effect. But the CO2 coalition has a, a good site where they show you charts of what people think from looking beyond ice cores, where they're getting the levels of CO2 that they infer from the seashells that have turned into sand, and and uh, they've got projections of what they thought it was going way back that. And if you're an astrophysicist, you know, the the original atmosphere of the Earth was all nitrogen and CO2, and it was plants that gave us oxygen in the first place. So, there you so go. if I got this right, keep our plants green, use more aerosol. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I think aerosol is a different question, um, but you know, if if everybody wants to go green, let's let's do it in lockstep with China. How about that? And India, yeah, yeah put them first. Hey, thanks right, a lot. Guys. Well, hey, I love your show. Oh, I enjoy you listening. Um, you know what? What is that? That woman? Uh, that girl that is always screaming about Greta the United Thunberg. Thank you, Greta Thunberg. How dare you! How dare you? Yeah, but she now now China and, and India. She praises, you know. She talks about how nice they are, and they're putting more into the air than what the U.S. by by hundredfold. And she's yelling at us, who who's actually doing more to silly stuff. And I think, yeah, I think uh, Mark is right. We need to be lockstep with China and India. So for no other reason, so Greta will stop yelling at us. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. She was actually there praising China and India, who is beyond, beyond the production of CO2 that we are. And, uh, and she yells at us. China. How dare you? He's always yelling at us. would be the natural... <laughs> no, that's okay. It's nice having uh, shows that aren't mine playing in the background. Thank you very much, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's the, this whole world has gone upside down, really. It used to be that CO2, I'm glad he corrected me. I, I appreciate being corrected when I'm wrong. It doesn't happen often. Um, uh, not let me correct I'm, you there. Let me correct you there. <laughs> <laughs> not because I'm not wrong very often. It's because, well, people are afraid of me, and I don't know why. You know, it, it's not good to anger old men because there comes a point there comes a point where a life sentence is not a deterrent. I just want you to remember that. <laughs> you know? I, 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 I love to hear Joe Biden go at it. I mean, <laughs> get over my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we digress. We digress. So where were we before that? Uh, where I said, hold you that told thought. Me to hold that thought. You told me I to hold did. that thought. Did you hold that thought? Yeah. Did you? Okay, let's hear it. Well, I, I left it in another room. Sorry. <laughs> I'll have to go get it. Yeah, we're, we're talking about, uh, the, you're saying the EPA would not allow an, yeah. another uh, another refinery in Michigan. And, and therein lies the problem. They talk about everything. Biden's administration is talking about everything that they're allowing. They're allowing more permits, more of this. But they're not allowing for the <laughs> for it to be taken out of the ground and refined for usage. And this is the problem with this administration is, yeah, it's, hey, we're going to give out more permits for exploration. We're going to give out more permits for this and this and that. But when it comes time for you to actually drill 
or refine that, you can't do it or transport it. You can't do it. You want to know why, folks? The, you want to know, figure this out. You want to know why the Democrats are so against the pipelines? Do you know why, Ed? Uh, because they own trucking companies that transport the oil for more money and their own personal profit. Like you're the close. Uh, Sage of Omaha or whatever they call them. You, you're close, but not quite there yet. Do you know the name Warren Buffett? That's who I just talked about. Yeah. yeah. I was well, he also trains, trains, okay. transporting yeah. by trains. He has large stock in the in the railway system, mm -hmm. and he transports a lot of oil across the country by trains, more than even by trucks. And you put that you put that pipeline in. Warren Buffett loses, and Warren Buffett doesn't want to lose. And guess who Warren Buffett supports? The Democrats. Why? Because they support him and his his railway and what is more dangerous transferring that oil by railway or by pipeline ding 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 i don't ding. have to guess the i've read railway. the statistics yeah what, what what's it what's it say well I, I don't have them memorized but i've seen them basically there have been a number of derailments it's not yeah. a pretty picture no dandelions get oil covered and then you got to wash them off with dawn soap and everything else just saying yeah <laughs> No, it's more dangerous, and, and there's more contamination by by transporting by train than by the the pipelines. But because Warren Buffett gives so much money to the Democrat Party, and the Democrat Party will protect his 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 uh, access to moving the oil across the country by trains, and they don't want it made easy by transporting it by a pipeline. That is why the Democrats are against it. it has nothing to do with oil spills, greenhouse effects, or any other part of the uh, economy or uh, ecology. It's all about money, folks. That's it. It's it, part of my opening monologue or whatever for a while has been, and as I wrote it for today, has been along the lines of we face a, a great global conspiracy that a James Bond movie never imagined the scope this large. I mean, you know, Spectre or Mr. What is, you know, the the, the doctor, $1 million, okay, $100 billion. No, no, $1 no. $1 trillion. Dollars, which yeah, is nothing well, anymore. Not gonna... $1 trillion won't work. Now, you guys, saw, Derek, saw me put the piggy up in my mouth. $100 billion. <laughs> that one, yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is that the scope of this is, I mean, first you got a Chinese plague, and then you've got stealing an election to force a president administration and mostly the administration, all the EPA rules and all that on us so that they can rape us, devalue our dollar and and take everything out of our savings. And it accrues to them because of selling short on the dollar. It's just, it's horrendous. And you can't convince anybody of that. Now, I've got to correct you because CNN was really good at giving me this information that oh, a bunch okay. of, a bunch of, GOP attorneys that are anti-Trumpers came out with the facts that the the uh, election was not stolen. So, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> <laughs> it's some 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 anti-Trump Brian never never Trumpers come out and say, "Yeah, he's wrong." Not 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 even one precinct would have been overturned by by what they found. Sure. I can show you one in Michigan yeah. that was majorly overturned. <laughs> and what about the, uh, the recent um, 
ruling by one of the courts in one state that said that 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 the uh, the uh, the what's that when they uh, take the uh, uh, um, folks to the Dropbox? Oh yeah. Yeah, harvesting. I think, it, I think it was Pennsylvania court just ruled that. Oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin has ruled against drop boxes. Yeah. yeah. And so, New Mexico is going that way. Yeah. So, I mean, you and I would look at it and say, hey, this is crazy to allow this kind of nonsense. This is, you know, but. And then uh, Denise Sousa's uh, movie. I mean, it, it, it was just... 2,000 mules. Yeah. Yep. yeah. What, 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 I find, rules. yeah what I find really amazing about that is how the left are dealing with that movie. Uh, instead of attacking the information within the movie, they're just attacking D'Souza himself uh, in different areas in his life and problem, areas where he had problems and everything else. Not, not one thing against the movie, but the, except, well, because of all this happened, he has to be lying about all this, you know? But they don't contest the facts. Hey, folks, it's been great. I love you all. You have a blessed week. We'll see you next week on A Moment of Clarity. You've been listening to A Moment of Clarity on Wham Talk 1600 with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio, 